Hello and welcome to the Black Arrows Employment Team podcast, where we are your very own employment lawyers in your pocket. We're aiming to help you navigate the murky and often contentious world of employment law and make sure you keep on the straight and narrow with your staff. This is season one where we're covering disciplinaries. Our aim on this season is to guide you through conducting your disciplinary procedures from start to finish, making sure you keep in tow with the law. So welcome to the fourth episode on our series of eight podcasts. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners who need to conduct disciplinary proceedings. This includes formal disciplinary hearings with any of the outcomes from verbal warning right through to dismissal or summary dismissal. During this series we aim to give you eight essential steps towards conducting a fair dismissal procedure. Throughout the series we're focusing on misconduct so we're not talking about performance related dismissals or ill health, purely misconduct or gross misconduct. If you're not sure how to decide if it's a case about misconduct, listen to episode one, step one, where do I start? So we've covered how to prepare for disciplinary hearing, episode three, step three. Today we want to talk about how to pull all that preparation into practice. Today's episode, step four, covers how do I conduct a disciplinary hearing? Tell me answer that question. I'm joined by my colleague, Jack. Hello, Jack. Morning, Simon. Thanks for having me back too. I'm it's a surprised pleasure. that you're giving me another shot at this podcast. Jack, you are always welcome. You know that. There's no, there's no I in team. So today we're covering how to conduct a disciplinary hearing. It's not a very inspirational title, Simon. <laughs> Pretty boring and dull. Let's do a bit better. <laughs> well, an alternative idea, which was, you've heard of Lord of the Rings. How about Lord of the Fire Rings? Much, much better. Much better. As <laughs> long like as that? that. Yeah, that's good. As long as it doesn't come with your usual series of uh, puns. <laughs> You really are running with these puns for this podcast series. You don't like them? I think they're unnecessary and clunky. (laughs) doesn't really flow, but, well, let's give it a go. Fair enough, Jack. I think you're wrong. I think you'll find that when we get to this, you will barely spot them. It'll be a seamless, another seamless episode, (laughs) and you won't notice them at all. Okay. Okay, Well, this will not detract from the gems you're going to hear today. Um, Let's talk about disciplinary hearings, and let me hear, Jack, what is your first tip for conducting a disciplinary hearing? Okay, well, the first tip... More of a practical point and one that we did touch upon in the earlier podcast, make sure that the manager who you select to conduct your disciplinary hearing has not previously been involved in the procedure. So to ensure that you comply with the ACAS code, make sure that, for example, the manager who's chairing the meeting is not the previous person that conducted the investigation. Uh, and that's to ensure that there's no bias. Okay, that makes sense. So it's a, it's an important point. Make sure there's a new person coming, and if you can do that, um, who is going to chair the disciplinary hearing. And how would you kick off the meeting, Jack, if you were in the hot seat? Well, if I was in the hot seat, again, it's a more of a practical point, but I always advise getting the housekeeping out of the way early doors. So ensure that all of the parties know to get the mobile phones switched off, carry out the normal polite introductions, minute taker, uh, so that all the parties know who's present. Make sure the employees received the allegations and understands why they're here today. And probably quite importantly, make sure that the employee's been offered the right of companion. Okay, so housekeeping before we start. Very similar to what we do before we record a podcast, actually, isn't it? Is your phone switched off? Have we pressed record? Jack, are you sober? 
I'm sober this time, yes. <laughs> Hooray! Are they more coherent, perhaps? <laughs> might well be. Or not. Okay, so the companion. We know employees are entitled to be accompanied at the disciplinary hearing by either a trade union representative or a colleague. Um, but what we see in practice is some employers will also allow friends or family to attend with the employee. Um, as we know, the legal requirement is purely they're entitled to bring along a colleague or a trade union representative, mm-hmm. not a friend or family. But we see in practice often that does happen. What are your views, Jack, on the strict definition of companion? Yeah, well, I, my views are that you're, I agree it's the strict definition and it's not wise, in my opinion, to stray from that. Whilst it might seem like a nice thing to do to allow a family member in, uh, I cast my mind back to a case that we had when I was a trainee, Simon. Mm-hmm. Remember this one? The, the mm-hmm. fairly young girl was f- uh, looking down the barrel of a gun in terms of getting sacked. Oh yeah, working for the employer, weren't we? That's right. And she brought her dad along as companion to the disciplinary meeting. The employer stupidly agreed to that. And during the meeting, the dad, obviously protecting his young daughter, who's the apple of his eye, couldn't put a foot wrong in his view. He just turned into a total nightmare. He was belligerent. He was manipulating and dominating the meeting. So much so that I seem to recall the employer not being able to get a word in edgeways. Yeah, it was difficult, wasn't it? The the companion, the dad in that case, was effing and blinding and saying words we hadn't heard before. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Um, You know, it turned the poor employer's hair white, didn't it, the the nature? But in any case, um, that was one where the the employer allowed a companion who was not the strict definition, who was the dad, and that caused problems for the employer um, extremely difficult. So I guess if ever there's a reason not to allow family members to be companions, that was the reason. Um, but here's another point which I guess I want to make, which is that you know the employer should be more robust with um, the the conduct of the hearing. And in, in that case, perhaps the employer could be more robust with that companion, the dad. Yeah. The role of the companion isn't really to dominate the hearing or to make it impossible for the employer to dis- conduct discussions. Where an, empo- an employer has a companion which gets out of line, the employer can and should adjourn the meeting if the companion is disruptive. And I don't know how that would work. For example, if you had a companion who was a work colleague, could the employer discipline the work colleague for bad behaviour? I don't know. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, well, I suppose they could if the behaviour really is bad. I suppose a word of caution, we would need to be mindful of the fact that the law says you're not allowed to subject somebody to a detriment because they've acted as companion. So we would need to bear that in mind. But really, if the conduct is so bad and the employer elects to dismiss or discipline for the conduct, then, you know, it's not really because they've been a companion that they've been disciplined. It's because of their bad behaviour when they were acting as companion. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, so what other issues crop up during disciplinary hearings, Jack? Um, Well, I often advise people just to treat it like any other meeting so it's a good idea to have an agenda or a script before you go in it's more of a practical point but it's a good idea nonetheless you know write down what you're going to say at the start of the meeting for your introduction and then make sure that you close off points like does the employee understand the allegations do they admit them if they admit them do they have any mitigation do they do they dispute the allegations and if they dispute them, what's the evidence? You know, what's the basis upon disagreeing with the allegations? Yeah, okay. So kind of create a checklist as, a, as an employer or a chair and make sure you cover all your points or almost like a script, as you say. Exactly. Um, imagine we had a script for this podcast, Jack. It would be so much slicker. <laughs> <laughs> be less natural, but, but, but perhaps slicker, more efficient. Okay, so um, that's that's the position with regards to um, the first kind of, first kind of checklist. Um, what about... Witnesses, when you have allegations of um, misconduct, quite often you want to tell the employee what the situation is 
um, with regards to the, the allegations. And often what we see is employers saying, well, should have the person who made the allegation should have given a witness statement? Um, and the answer is, unfortunately, it depends. Classic lawyer answer, but <laughs> it depends. Um, what I often think is that if the allegation is clear and you can get a clear witness statement from the person who saw the allegation or witnessed it, and then that would be the way to do it. You know, it's not a court of law. There doesn't need to be someone put on oath or cross-examination, that kind of stuff. If witness evidence is required and can be done in writing, then that would be the way to do it. Um, you know, that would hopefully prevent any difficult um, meetings and hopefully avoid any awkward conversations. <laughs> Did you just say awkward? Awkward. Was that, what's that, Lord of the Rings bands? <laughs> I thought that was okay. <laughs> no, I didn't. Anyway... We'll move on from that pun, Simon. Um, what about this then? During the disciplinary hearing, uh, okay, the employee starts uh, and raises something totally out of the blue, unexpected, that the, the employer hadn't anticipated having to, to look into. So, for example, the employee says, well, why are you pulling me up for this? Um, Tam Smith, he did exactly the same thing last week and nothing happened to him. Yeah, it would be wrong, I think, for an employer to say, well, tough, that's because you're you and Tam's Tam. You know, this is often where employers will trip up um, we talked about investigations in podcasts too, but really the duty to investigate stays with the employer throughout the process. If you think about what the, the law says, the case law says in it, the employer, for the dismissal to be fair, has to carry out as much investigation as is reasonable in all the circumstances. So in a mm. way, if something new crops up during the course of the disciplinary hearing, it would be wrong of the employer not to investigate it. It would require some form of investigation in my view. Yeah, I would agree with that. And whilst that can be burdensome for employers, I suppose there is some good news in that there was a case a couple of years ago where the employee, remember this one, Simon, the employee was being disciplined for uh, fraudulently overclaiming mileage expenses. Oh, yeah. And during his disciplinary hearing, when the employer found out about it, the employee made up loads of excuses such as uh, traffic jams, roadworks, route diversions, blah, blah, blah. And um, the employer didn't investigate each and every one of his numerous excuses. Nonetheless, the dismissal was held to be fair and it was decided that the investigation was reasonable. Yeah. They, they didn't need to look into all those stupid uh, dog-ate-my-homework type excuses that the yeah. guy raised. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you need to, you need to balance, don't you, what, what the employee is saying and what the employer wants to make a finding of. And I guess that if it's a significant point which requires an investigation, that should be done. So the point, I suppose is that any new relevant issues should be investigated before a final decision on disciplinary sanction is reached. You know, that's maybe bad news for the employer, but it's the fair way to do it, um, even if that does make the employer golem. <laughs> no way, a smeagol bomb, really? <laughs> and that was okay. Uh, Saruman didn't think you'd mind. Yuck. Okay, um, sorry, I took you off piece there. Yeah, it's really taking its troll on you. Okay, exactly is. I'll get on with it. Final tip. Let's hear the final tip, Jack. Sure. Well, the final tip is, I like this one. I think it's a good tip. Um, many employers don't follow it, but don't do the Alan Sugar. Do you watch The Apprentice, do you? No, I would waste my time <laughs> with that, Simon. <laughs> it's a great programme. My evenings are too full doing other things. Like <laughs> don't do the Alan Sugar. Enlighten me, Jack. What, what are you saying? Yeah, okay. What I mean with that one is... You know, we see a lot of employers who go through the motions at a disciplinary hearing. Mm -hmm. They'll sit, they'll listen to what the employee has to say, nod along politely, probably not even listening to the employee's situation. Um, and then at the end of the meeting, there and then, you're fired. 
letter of dismissal, true blue Peter style. It's already been drafted in advance of the meeting and they hand it to the employee at the very end of the meeting. So it's like a, a rubber stamping exercise. It's not a meaningful or open-minded hearing. No, that's right. And, and I suppose though, thinking back to the ACAS code we've spoken about, the ACAS code says the employer needs to be impartial, have an open mind in, during the disciplinary process. So in a way, if you prepared the letter of dismissal, before the employees opened their mouth at the disciplinary hearing, that would go against the terms of the ACAS code um, and, in fact, would be perhaps a result in a finding of an unfair dismissal. So employers should, where possible, adjourn the meeting after the disciplinary hearing is concluded and say to the employee the decision will follow in writing. Exactly. That's what that's what I think would be the best approach. Um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't cost the employer anything. Maybe, you know, if you adjourn it in the evening, you have to pay them one more day's pay. It's not a big consideration for the sake of getting it right and ensuring that if you are called up to the employment tribunal for a hearing, then at least you've preserved the paper trail. You know, you can at least give the impression that it has been a, a meaningful and open-minded procedure rather than a box-ticking exercise. Yeah, I mean, lots of employers I know reach a decision that dismissal is the appropriate sanction at the disciplinary hearing. But I think, as you say, it does make sense to say to the employer or the person chairing, look, reflect on matters and give your decision in writing after the hearing has concluded. You know, that's the way it would make sense and make it seem as if a fair hearing has taken place. You should do that, even if it is all smog and mirrors. <laughs> it's not smog, it's smog. Smog? Smog the dragon? Smog. Does Smog speak in the film? I think he speaks. It's Benedict. My name is Smog. My name is Smog. <laughs> okay, so yeah. make sure when you reach your decision, put it in writing and tell the employee you have a right to appeal. Um you want to do your smug impression for us? Gosh, that's really good. You're not using the face. Do the, do the, the voice as well. The nostrils are going <laughs> Okay. You see, so yeah, give the employee the decision in writing and tell the employee they've got a right of appeal. You see, I do give good advice, Jack. Mm-hmm. Clients are always Galadriel, they called me. <laughs> no way. Nice one. That's because I suppose occasionally you can get your employers off with first degree Mordor. Oh, yeah, that's one of mine. <laughs> give me a break, Jack. Soz. Okay. Um, let's wrap up today. It is, after all, almost elven. Mm. Um, okay, what are our three takeaway points for conducting a disciplinary hearing? Tip number one, Jack. Tip number one, ensure that the employee confirms at the start of the meeting that they understand why they are here, they understand the allegations, they've received all of the paperwork, etc. Useful tip because what it does is it closes off certain arguments further down the line, stops the employee saying at a later date, oh, I didn't understand that this was a serious meeting, that wasn't fair. Okay. Good tip. Tip number two, what we would say is don't let the companion dominate or manipulate the hearing. Remember that if you put these steps in place, make sure you've got an agenda, a checklist, list of questions to ask the employee. Hopefully you as the employer can keep control. Remember the employer is in control and should be able to control the meeting. That's tip number two. Tip number three. Tip number three is my favourite. Avoid doing the Lord Sugar. Adjourn the meeting. I like saying that, Lord Sugar. It sounds good. But <laughs> suits you. Really suits you. <laughs> Maybe if I got a bit of grey hair like you, Simon. Oi, Jack, <laughs> come on. Get on with it. But yeah, adjourn the meeting before um, confirming your decision and then confirm the decision in writing so that you're at least giving the impression that you are giving serious consideration to the matters before you. That's tip three. Okay, good stuff. That concludes our um, episode. What was on episode four around just now? This is the fourth. Episode four. Good stuff. So follow these key steps and you should be able to avoid having a disciplinary headache, which might result in you running to the pub to get Legolas. 
loving your work, Simon. You really are up in your game as Lord of the Firings. <laughs> Let's go to the pub and get Legolas. <laughs> Let's do it now. Okay, thanks for listening, folks. Hope you found that useful. If you'd like more information on how to conduct a disciplinary procedure, then please subscribe to our other episodes on Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket on iTunes. Or, if you want to speak to us directly, we always... Do we always welcome interaction? We always welcome interaction. Always. Pictures are good, photos are good, but also witty comments are nice as well. Any form of tweet we will engage with. Puns, we like puns too. Puns especially, if you can get it as a Lord of the Rings, L-O-T-R, <laughs> hashtag, we'll be all over that. I'm sure we've not exhausted all the puns already. Okay, so please um, interact with us on Twitter. We are at Employer Simon and at Employer Jack. How do you spell that? E-M-P-L-A-W-Y-E-R. <laughs> I'm not spelling Jack or Simon. <laughs> well done, Jack. Top of the class. Okay, thanks for listening. If you want help with your slackers, call Employer Jack at Blackadders. Loving that, Simon. Good stuff. Okay, cheers and cheerio. Cheers. Cheers.